some people would say that the universe galvani- would galvanize that moment. Uh, and it may, and it very well may. But what I, what I have to say is I also see that uh, the psychedelic community ha- is bubbling up and working almost like a mushroom mycelium in that it's pushing out in all of these different directions simultaneously. And cannabis has kind of kicked her foot through the door and kicked the door open. Sure. It's kind of like, you know, in my mind, I see this editorial cartoon where it's the opposite of the drug war, you know, where now cannabis has the boot on and cannabis is kicking the door open. And we have all the scared, you know, the scared Republicans and the folks who are afraid to open up their minds inside the house. And she's barreling in with the strike force, you know, and it's cannabis and mushrooms and ayahuasca and peyote and and ecstasy. And Mm -hmm. but they're not coming in with guns and it's actually all going to be totally fine. Right. And what I see is that there's a, a, a corporation, a public policy foundation called Maps.org. Yep, I know Maps. They're in the Bay Area, and they are getting. They're working with some ex-tech guys who have a lot of money, mm-hmm. and Johns Hopkins University, UCLA, the the, U, the United States Army, mm-hmm. and they're getting psychedelic and cannabis studies okayed and legalized, legal, uh, legally sanctioned in America, mm-hmm. and so they're creating a big wealth of information from peer-reviewed orthodox scientific studies of these substances they're giving people psilocybin they're giving people lsd uh, ecstasy for various maladies a lot of it for ptsd but also lsd for cluster headaches lsd and psilocybin for uh, smoking cessation um, ecstasy for couples therapy Uh, but when they do this they're putting people in the mris and giving them the cat scans and so they're they're increasing the wealth of medical knowledge and what they're finding out with all of these substances they're they're if they're not non-toxic, they're the closest thing you can get to non-toxic. You have to t- take amounts that would be almost impossible to ingest to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And they have so many other medical benefits besides the purely psychological, spiritual benefits that are anecdotally received from the test, su- test subjects. There mm-hmm. are actual changes in the neuronal structure of the brain, in the connectivity of the brain, in the production of certain brain hormones and other body stress hormones. And, and once... I don't think everybody has to take psychedelics. I don't think everybody's ready because of the amount of trauma in the world just from our last 10, 20,000 years of history. Yeah. But what I think is that when enough of these substances are legal for enough people to do, we're going to have that watershed moment because it's not going to take everybody to give a shit. It's just going to take a strong enough core base of generative human beings to give a shit for the gifts to shower on everybody. And I saw this through Burning Man of all places and you know maybe I'm a hippie but see, the thing with Burning Man is the gifting culture mm-hmm. and this is one of the first places I ever saw this some people come to give and, and so what they've done is they've reframed the metric for the wealth of a, of a person to the old indigenous wealth metric which was you're as wealthy as what you give and right. what you can generate and provide for other people Right. and then they made it a gifting economy there's no corporations or any selling or even bartering allowed mm-hmm. now what you see is if I tell you as a person, like, hey, like people, and it's not even just being told, but it's now through the culture of seeing, you know, you go to Burning Man, you're told, you see, wow, like the people who are really put up are the people who are funding these camps and who built an art garden, who brought this piece of art that they built. And the people who are giving are the ones that are the most respected and, and held up. Mm-hmm. Now, there's still people who come to Burning Man to just party. There's, and they, some of them bring f- stuff to share or not. And there's some people who come specifically to not have a camp and not share shit and manifest their reality and have everybody wipe their ass and feed them for free. Mm-hmm. But the thing is with that entire spectrum of people and no one really being asked or required of anything, mm-hmm. there's enough for everybody. Yeah, and when you're leaving, well, the, the last thing I want to say, yeah, w- yeah, when you're leaving the festival, there's piles of food and beer and uh, chairs and shade structures that they leave for the DPW guys, the guys who have to clean up the playa and work all year round. Mm-hmm. There's these mountains of, of food and free beer. And you just see everyone leaving. And I'm not saying it's utopia. There's a ton of waste. It has its own problems. But the thing I see is that when you place the, the metric on your generativity, it doesn't matter about the freeloaders. And it doesn't matter about the people who don't get it. Because once enough people get it powerfully enough, there's just more than enough for everybody. So what happens to all that stuff? The DPW consumes it oh. because they, they don't get paid very much. And so uh-huh. they, they eat the food and drink the beer and sit under the shade structures eating the food and drinking the beer. So they have like a mini Burning Man after. Yeah. I mean, they stay out there and hang out and drink beer and clean up the whole playa and restore it to pre-Burning Man conditions. And the, they have to actually literally go over the entire five uh, hexagonal or pentagonal. Uh, it's a five-mile pentagon. Yeah. 
It's five miles on a side. Yeah. And they uh, go and grid the entire thing several times. And then the BLM goes over it and grids it as well. Uh, and they have to have it immaculate or they don't get their uh, permit every year. Wow. It's so my only point miles, is... It's five I, miles on each side? It's, of yeah, each, each, each face of the Pentagon is five miles. Oh. I believe. Maybe so I'm wrong. So if you walked around it, it would it's be 25 miles? For, dude, it's forever, bro. It is fucking forever, Luigi. It's huge. Have you ever walked around the whole thing? Uh, I've walked around two sides. Uh, uh, two and a quarter sides. And you got you got absconded by the people with the apple, strawberry. <laughs> no, so what happened was there things. was this crazy dust storm, right? <laughs> and everyone's hiding for the dust storm. And, and we're like, no, let's go have an adventure. And I was trying to get, you know, rounding up my friends, trying to get them to listen to me like, hey, let's go on a mystic adventure. And they're like, fuck you. It's dusty. And right while I'm trying to convince him, this flyer, this, you know, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, like flies by. And I'm like, oh, shit, let's go get it. And so we go on this chase after it. And we end up running all the way to the trash fence. At the perimeter, there's a trash fence that captures trash and stuff. Yeah. And we get the piece of it. It's a flyer for some weird party. And then we're out of the trash fence. And just on the way to following this thing, it's already been amazing. And so we start walking along the trash fence. And then what we find, because we just happen to be in the wind shadow, we're finding boas and hats and wigs and fucking articles of clothing. We're finding all the detritus that has been blown from the camp into the trash fence. So if you really wanted to go to Burning Man and do it right, you'd go naked. You'd go, go naked. Go to the trash Suit fence. up at the trash fence. This is what we were doing. Okay, we've just given it away. We spent, we spent probably three hours walking the trash fence and just passing all of the different uh, you know, uh, costumes and accoutrements to each other and creating the silliest outfits and stories to go out with the outfits and little plays to go with the outfits. And then we got to the center pole uh, of the of the trash fence, which is like uh, twelve o'clock, six o'clock, six o'clock, because they do it by o'clock. So it's the six o'clock from the man all the way out. And right when we got to the center pole, the dust storm disappeared, and there was a double rainbow that looked like it was maybe two hundred yards past the trash fence. So of course we all like apeshit crazy, jumped the trash fence and went running for the rainbow and frolicked. You're about. not supposed to jump the trash fence. You aren't supposed to, but you can. We One of my favorite things to do is to actually be super high on acid in the daytime and jump the trash fence and run way too far away to where I barely can't see it. And I'm definitely in trouble for what I'm doing and then just lay down and hang out for like a long time until I totally forget all time and then walk back. But why go out to nowhere to be nowhere? Because then when you look, yes. you can't see the trash fence anymore. You just see the most beautiful painted mountains when did you go last, and expanses last of Playa 2014. So, yeah, you just see expanses of empty playa. You see the mountains. And if you don't look at Burning Man, you're fucking in the middle of the most mystic, psychedelic, spiritual desert on the planet all by yourself. So let me ask you this. And then you turn around. It's Burning Man. With Burning Man's cultural value, Uh and to some people, they believe that Burning Man is the real world and this is bullshit. I think neither is true. Okay. You you don't think that, but there are people that say that Burning Man's the real world. Well, what I find is, is that there's a not there's the a world. cyclical, spiritual, psychedelic time yep. that exists outside of our regular lives. Yep. And Burning Man, because of the playa and maybe the energy vortex or whatever hippie shit or not, yep. or just because of the intention and what's been brought there, it is a mystical, cyclical place out of time. And I understand that because the so lack why of can't well, the lack of commodification, people the lack of galvanized uh-huh. to get together. But they are, Luigi, and here's how we're doing it. And make a singular purpose we're of... We're doing it like this. Yes. We're doing it like a virus or like a mushroom mycelium. Yeah. We're not getting together and all protesting the same thing. We're not doing any of that. We're coming together. We're sharing a common space, and we're doing the only thing that humans can actually do to bring on the dawning of the new age, at least in my own personal belief, Okay. which is we are relaxing our way to the realization that we are a family, and we are all in this together... And we all need to help each other. And the only way it can happen is if we cease to engage in the dichotomy of us versus them. Sure. And realize that everyone is us and we involve everyone in the party. So how does and that so what happens is people like me go to Burning Man mm-hmm. and we're filled up in every way possible. Mm-hmm. And the artists come back and they paint the most beautiful pictures and the musicians make more just amazing music to dance and sing and cry to. And then people like who provide economic generativity provide more so and provide more opportunity and all of these people begin to work in every moment of their life to make everything burning man and like mm-hmm. i like what happened at, at burning man because it reminded me of the parking lot of the grateful dead which reminded me of the times i've had with my very best friends and 
going to Burning Man and then other festivals enough just allowed me to see that it was okay for me to be that way all the time. Right. And that the power and force of my personality when I'm like that is okay whether people believe it or not and are attracted or repelled to it. And so now myself and all the other people who have been infected from Burning Man, like plague spores, were spread everywhere, and then we start in infecting our individual communities. Do you think that that's a, that's a stated goal? No, I don't no, think so. You think, no. But do you think, it's, do you think it's a conscious goal? I think it's for some yes and for some no. Hmm. But I think whether... I, mean, I don't have any judgment either way. I think yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it, you know, judging Burning Man is like... Judging a ba is like judging a figure skating contest. Well, I mean, it's really just people a, on skates. With it's really just outfits. a party. It's not even. Right. It's not even the thing. Right. And it's not. I'm. I'm not of the orthodoxy. No, I, I don't. I don't just, you are. I yeah, yeah. But I just. I just had enough eye-opening experience, and it was really just that moment of like, I've gotten so high, and I've gotten in contact with frequencies of intelligent and and quote unquote beings that could be my own consciousness or not. And they've told me, told me and showed me so much. And Burning Man and the West Coast Festival scene was just where I finally got enough other people to say, yes, me too. Mm -hmm. That I was able to like find my peers and support group and relax and breathe and just say, it's, o it's okay to be me. And really reclaim finally fully that person that was stomped out of me that I gave away in junior high school. And I was able to finally really re-inhabit who I was mm -hmm. and be okay with it. And I think Burning Man is changing it and the people that way, just like the psychedelics. Are, does everybody have a life-changing moment on psychedelics? No, but enough people do. Mm -hmm. And I think at this point, it's really the only way possible to end this culture of violence, the cycle of violence, of disrespect and, 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 and uh, separation from the earth. And I d while I don't think the psychedelics for are for everyone, I think enough of us need to take them so that enough people will be past their own bullshitting themselves that we can kind of get it together again. Mm -hmm. And if not for that, I don't know what, what else can really provide the experience reliably for enough people I, I know, in a quick like, enough fashion. I know, and I won't, I obviously won't mention their names, but I know people, several people in the so-called power structure who have taken ayahuasca, been to Burning Man. I, and I've had conversations with them, which would have led me to believe that Less Burning Man, more ayahuasca, because ayahuasca, I think, is its own phenomenon. But they realized the fullness of their mission to some degree. For instance, I, I know a gentleman who is very active politically, and he's a diplomat. He ended up doing ayahuasca in Peru. And prior to that, I think he was pretty much your average... Brooks Brothers wearing single malt scotch drinking. Straight guy. Guy. Yeah. A good guy nonetheless. Yeah. But post that ayahuasca experience, and he did it on accident, he was actually staying in a lodge where they said, oh, we're going on this canoe trip. And he <laughs> went on the... <laughs> and he was just like, oh, I love... Just the, a canoe trip. I love the canoe. I'm from Wyoming. You know, I'm going to go canoe. So he gets in the canoe, and they go down in the canoe. And, you know, it's a three-day canoe trip from the base camp. And, like, along the way, we'll see different parts of the Amazon and camp. Well, he gets there and like his wife and he are, you know, naively going on the second night. They're like, so tonight we'll do, do a ritual. And, you know, they're like, what what ritual is that? Are we making flour tortillas together? Are we going to make fresh tortillas in the rainforest? <laughs> Maybe learn to make mole. Different culture continent, but uh -huh. it works. Yeah, I was going to say. And they're like, no, we're going to do ayahuasca. We're going to do yache. We're going to pound this root and make this bitter tea and. They just go along with it. Nice. Yeah. Nice so, they're, you know, his wife had a difficult experience, but he had a formative experience where yeah. he felt like his job was to really deal with corruption. Awesome. And had sent and then left government and became a now he works in Africa. He works with wow. non-governmental organizations in Africa going through. And basically, like auditing financial organizations in countries that are closely related to defense and closely related to wow finance to find out if there's corruption, if people are being paid off. No, there shit. definitely That's are awesome. people being paid off. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Malaysia is the most recent scandal that the prime minister somehow ended up with seven million dollars in his account. How? Oh, so maybe uh, Derek Zoolander should have killed him. Maybe. <laughs> Derek, was Derek Zoolander in Malaysia? No, that was the plot of the first Zoolander movie is he was going to kill the prime minister of Malaysia. Really? Wasn't it Malaysia? Why Malaysia? 
Uh, because uh, well, it, it was a fashion-related movie, <laughs> and so Malaysia's got the garment industry. Okay. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> random. Totally. Totally. You haven't seen Zoolander? No. Oh, my God. One of the best movies ever. Really. Ever. Hilarious. Just <laughs> retarded. Retarded, ridiculous, but hilarious. I like that Zoolander's yeah. part of this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Out bringing of, it around. Out of nowhere. Yeah. So, so, the, the, so then scooping, slipping... Well, you were Stepping saying this friend, the friend, this friend of yours that, that was uh, in the government had also had a transformative experience on ayahuasca. Yeah. And he, he, he left to do something. His life. Yeah. I don't. I think had I stuck with the insights in my 20s when I did ayahuasca in Hawaii and in South America and in uh, different parts of the U.S., I think if I had stuck with that path, I probably wouldn't have ended, would have ended up a very different person, obviously. Yeah. But at the same time, this is interesting, I felt like part of my job was to be in the so-called normal world. Yeah. I believe that's my job to this day. Yeah, me too. Is that I'm in the normal world, maybe. Oh, wait, not, not the normal world. I got what you're saying. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. No, me. I am. I'm, just, I'm kidding. Oh. I'm actually, I'm planning on going back to it. That's... Right. That's been my mission. But I think that th I think that like it's like the Bodhisattva vow, right? The exactly. Bodhisattva vow is That's exactly it. Is I will continue to be reborn again Me and too. again until all beings are enlightened. Me too. That's the Bodhisattva vow. Me too. Right. I had this dream a few years ago, and it just who knows dream ego trip whatever. But uh, I totally had a dream where I saw it, and it was through my dog Velvet, and I remember this telepathic conversation I had with him while I was on acid, which is actually it is true. So the dream reminded me of this conversation I had with him that was true where we were, we were together high on acid and he had, he had done it twice. This was the second time. And he was actually thanking me because he also was like a really high being. And you can just laugh. This is the time to like, just play this on repeat forever and laugh at Matt St. Germain. But he was thanking me for waking him up and explaining to me that he had all this important shit to do and like who we were and our lineage and blah, blah, blah. Velvet was telling him this. Yeah. And so he told me he was going to live for 10 years and be an awesome dog. And then he had to go really quickly and he had to get onto what he was doing. So when he went, don't be sad and just know that he was going on his way. And I had forgotten all about this. I remembered that story, telling Merlin that story as we were wrapping Velvet's body in a in an organic cotton sheet, going up to Mendo to bury him as he was laying there dead at my at my on my fireplace. Yeah. Um, but then I had this dream where I remembered part of the conversation where he was talking to me about how I was also one of these bodhisattva-like beings. Sure. And that I had just gotten lost again in like the washing machine between lifetimes. It's like. You know, you're, you're hanging out here and you're hanging out in this chaotic ocean of high and low tide and you, you grip onto something with your psychedelics or your yoga or your, you know, your mind experience, whatever tools of cultivation you have. And you try to hold on to this rock so you can offer your hand out and start throwing other people on the shore. But every so often, you know, you get washed off the rock and then you're back in the ocean with everybody else, you know, and then you go again to try to find the rock and get your way out. So. Just my way of saying, I'm, me too. I'm here for the good. I'm not trying to I do, I evolve I, into I, enlightenment or nirvana. There's a line in, the, a line in, in uh, Zorba the Greek, I think, of uh, where he talks about good, bad, Turks, Greeks. He doesn't know Anthony Quinn's character, Zorba. Um, his son, Frankie, was a really dear friend of mine who passed away several years ago down in Hollywood. Yeah. And Frankie was, a, a, was an immensely dynamic interesting guy and you know had inherited from his dad this notion of like good bad turkish greek male female happy sad who the fuck knows like it's all part of the mix and i think you know one of the places yeah. that i one of the places that i like to this day and i haven't been recently but i like their manifesto at least earlier was esalen because esalen believed that it was the shit in the mud from whence you where the lotus grew and yeah. talked about nirvana samsara same thing yeah I, totally. did, I just took a minute to remember it yeah yeah but they but, but this me is too. but that changed my life was yeah. i'd had psychedelic experiences and i'd had enough experiences just growing in my 30s and having to go through what i went through to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder yeah. and to deal with addiction and confront and encounter it and to work in the professional world somebody who's kind of like tweaked yeah. and in that period of time tweaked on pharmaceuticals to like what the fuck am i doing like why am i forcing myself into a box yeah. what it was interesting to me about the s about esalen when i went there in the late 2000s was uh 
the notion of nirvana and samsara being the same thing, that our pain and our beauty is very much the same, like you going to the trash fence and finding valuable items in the trash. I I think that maybe is not, you come to that realization in an enlightened state of mind or in an excited state of mind or in a psychedelic state of mind. But I think that we in the West tend to maybe underestimate the fact that that does happen for people but i think it's more naturally part of how close to the indigenous part of their own culture they are i mean if you go to vietnam or cambodia or laos or not so much thailand anymore but you go to like southeast asia there is a sense of people in india too there is a sense of people still being integrally connected to the natural organic expression of self yeah and i don't think that I'm not in the opinion that psychedelics can solve everybody's problems no. like you. I don't. I don't think that. Right. No. I know you don't. But I d- also don't think that. I think the real problem, which I've always said, is, and in my own life, right, is my proximity to the land. When yeah. I live in big cities, true, like New York, even San Francisco, nature is the answer. Uh, I feel completely disconnected yeah. because I grew up walking out the back door of my parents house into the forest well that's where we're really from right too, and right? we're forest dwelling creatures. we're not from the city right there's yeah, something they actually wildness. said in santa daime was that yeah. we're the children we're the forest dwelling creatures yeah. Yeah. We're, we're the children of the forest yeah. and i think i had a very c- beautiful experience on ayahuasca when i had done very long ritual and then gone to sit by a ravine in hawaii and this woman came out to sit with me said oh do you mind if you s- i sit with you and i said not at all and we sat together and you know, there's just a blanket of stars and you can hear the ravine running and we're both still under the uh, effect of the ayahuasca. Yeah. And she said to me, we're a million years old. And it struck me, I remember this is 20 years ago. Like I remember feeling a million years old. Yeah. And I think less so is it about how much in psychedelia does it take for a person to ingest to snap out of it. Yeah. It's more about do you have the capacity to remember the organic nature of your own soul? Because I think the soul is something that's trans-physical, trans-personal, yeah. trans-planetary. Yeah. I think yeah. it's something, the soul, the beingness in us is something that is unblemished. Yeah. And, it, and what does it take to connect with it? And how do we connect up the wires for people who have buried that into a patriarchal religion i really see the uh i just see the uh, extinction of the abrahamic religions in the next 50 100 years at the most i mean people are walking away from them i the only thing i've i've ever seen in my entire life is near-death experience or psychedelic experience right that's it. Like someone getting cancer and not dying from it. Someone being in a traumatic car or other accident and not dying from it. So uh, what if the or enti- psychedelics. what if the entirety of one's phenomenal existence, the process of experiencing the various phenomena of our lives. This is a, like this table, mm-hmm. your face and this microphone and my hat and that spliff and my glasses these are all phenomena like i'm living yeah. in the phenomenal world yes it doesn't make any sense i have to eat food uh-huh. i have to urinate i gotta drink water i can do all this stuff to maintain this physical body mm-hmm. from which i have i don't remember getting into it and i probably won't yeah. remember getting out of it yeah but like if what if that phenomenal experience which i we joked earlier i said it's like purgatory yeah. what if that educational experience is really and there isn't a collective experience there, what, there what isn't a collective relevance to any of it. We're all here on our own. And the only way you can wow. get out is to collaborate with others. But the f- experience itself is always singular and subjective. There is no collective. There is no actual collective, collective truth. Yeah, there isn't. I don't think there is either. You don't. Well, I mean, I think I would say I think there's a there's a, there's the singularity or the unitive consciousness that we're all from. But each one of us is a shard or a facet of that. If if we were to view it as a crystal, right? Just for the purpose of this uh, of this talk, let's say it's a crystal, mm-hmm. but it's a multifaceted crystal. Sure. And so none of our experiences, 
although we're looking at that same internal light of the seed of the crystal, mm -hmm. every experience is just a tiny bit or majorly different. You know, like we, you and I, like we're faces like right here. Yeah. So our, even though they're still different, those are slightly different angles. They're so close. Right. It's not like someone living in North Korea in the, the who's high up in the government. They're like 180 degrees on this side of the crystal looking through. Right. They're right. seeing a whole different thing. So I think that could be very true that we all are having these different subjective experiences. And we certainly one are. One way I have always related this uh, to this is having a religion of one and having a rule for myself that I have a religion of one and no one's welcome to join. And the moment anyone agrees with, with me about everything, then I'm going to I'm going to throw that religion out the tr out the trash and come up with a new one. Right. with New shit. What I'm getting what I'm getting at is that I is that you can posit on the one hand that there could be a shared cooperative reality similar uh -huh. to Burning Man that that, uh -huh. that revolutionized the way humans think. OK. And granted, these are these ideas are, are both arcane and somewhat nebulous so let's just admit totally that. Okay. yeah we're not solving anything yeah, today right, yeah. no, we're just we're talking not, shit we're not we're not we're not solving we're just yeah, basically we're one level above that i think we're a little bit more than the blah, 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 blah. it's a little bit yes. a little bit yeah. but not much no but those topics are nebulous right yeah. as hell most people are like what the fuck <laughs> however you have a shared reality that's based on a cooperative okay. notion that is coming out of burning man okay you have a same sort but, of cooperative libertarian but even model. Not everybody's cooperative, right? Cooperating, and you have the same libertarian cooperative model that comes out of Silicon Valley, where uh -huh. people really, really believe, and I interact with these people, that technology will solve all our problems, and that they look forward to our superhuman intelligence because it'll tell us what to do. I can tell you right now, tests they've done. This is a great example. Is that they, you know, they gave uh, one of the supercomputers at MIT the problem of using all the available forms of energy to make the planet ultimately efficient, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, the most efficient use of its resources, oil, water, mineral resources, capital, you name it. And the MIT supercomputer grinds away and, you know, <laughs> they go back and it prints up a report and, you know, they're, imagine that they're reading the report and one PhD says to the other, so what did the computer figure out would be the most efficient use of all the resources on the planet? And a guy reads the report and he says, well, the supercomputer thinks that it, he could, we should make the entire planet into a paperclip factory. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the most efficient use of all the resources with an end product that's simple. Right? <laughs> so to give you an indication, like oh when no. people are like, oh, well, superhuman robots no. are going to make everything awesome. No. no, they're not. No. They might make us into paperclip <laughs> factory people. Oh, the point I'm trying to make is that you have these shared reality, you have one cooperative yeah. reality where yeah. everybody doesn't really cooperate. Some people are burning and attack like yeah. jackasses. Yeah. You have another quote. You have a normative. You have a normative political reality, which is what we live in, which is endless war. Totally. Basically. Yeah. And the faction and creating factions, religious or otherwise, Sunni, Shia, North Ireland, Southern Ireland, yeah. Catholic, Protestant. Yeah. U.S. Just US holding on to the bullshit since the first bullshit. tribe invaded the other right. tribe. It's all bullshit. Totally. Right. That's the brotherhood of violence. And you have this third option, which is um, somehow that everybody gets dropped acid in one day and just wakes up and says, wow, I never noticed that tablecloth. You know, I never yeah. noticed anything. The, the point is that we know personally, subjectively, that a experimentation or a acquaintance with psychedelia, the psychedelic psychotropic substances can be beneficial to the individual. I think even studies now will yeah, say yeah. that for sure. That's that's now there's uh, <laughs> several different uh, findings. Mushrooms lead to positive changes in personality in the individual for uh, that are last uh, longer than a year. Yeah. From at least one to five years, if not for the entire life. Uh, there were health related effects. Um, and then there's the uh, like the PTSD studies with LSD and MDMA. But I'm not really I haven't read any of the abstracts that have come out of those. So I can't say exactly what they're doing other than they're healing people of the trauma that they underwent both in war and probably even pre-war. I think the, the thing about, well, there's also some part of this notion of ending the paradigm of ignorance, ending the paradigm of violence, or tr at least transitioning it. Part of that is admitting that trauma perpetuates it yeah. uh, endlessly. Mm -hmm. Like I notice how you guys interact with your kids and with one another, and it is different because there's a cooperation between you, right? I think 
the lack of cooperation is due to people having monolithic notions of themselves. I'm the man. You are the woman. Well, people just have all of the programming and bullshit they've been given by their authority figures. And I don't almost think none of it's I don't, doing them any I don't, good. I don't think, and this is the thesis of this book. Which okay. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think we overcome it as a species, in our lifetimes. I th- I'm not saying we see I, yeah, cataclysmic. No, end. totally, totally. But I, I don't know. Yeah. But I don't see us transitioning out of it only because having lived in those countries lived in extremist yeah. countries yeah. and interacted with people who were religious and religiously observant and some of them even extremists having interacted with these people like they're not going to smoke a duber with us well, I, you I know? for me i'm not attached to the outcome right i if i had to so interesting you said that because i totally am if i yeah <laughs> totally no totally that's that's what i'm feeling here is like yes so Everything I posited, I think, <laughs> I think has a chance of working. Yeah. And the what if it doesn't, or what if it stays the same or worse? Like, yes. Yeah. I think that's totally equally as possible. Yeah. There was a long period of my life where everything I answered, yes, no, and maybe. Yeah. And I had done a lot of acid, and I realized that was the only true answer to anything. It was like, how do you feel? I good, bad, and kind of in the middle. It could be any of those things. But what I know from my own personal experience, it's true for me. I don't know if it is true for everybody. I think it is is that the thing that actually makes us up is infinite and it's all love and all light forever. And so humans can fuck up and destroy the planet and it's fine because we still have infinity and there's going to be an infinite number of planets, an infinite number of civilizations, an infinite number of things to do and people to be and beings to be and and experiences to have. And that's also going back to the spiritual thing, the Nirvana, Samsara, Bodhisattva vow, all of that stuff. The thing that really came to me in my own mind, and, and I did absorb it through like uh, some Zen teaching and be here now with Ram Das was just, but I, I phrase it differently, well, you which didn't is. You mention Ram Das, did you? Yeah. Oh. Well, well, so how I phrase it is this, <laughs> but how I phrase it is this, you know, because uh, I'm, I'm, when you first get into the psychedelic experience and I see it with other people, it's about enlightenment and transcendence. And you see these other worlds right. and these higher possibilities and it's, it becomes about striving. But then what I. I continued to, to do the work and do the drugs and, and go in and look and look and look and really try to figure it out. And I went through heights and I went through deep valleys of depression and existentialist dread and finally got to this place where I realized we really do have infinity and that's really what we are. Oh, I and so for the whole Nirvana, you know, uh, escaping or transcending or the multi-strand DNA, fifth dimensional crossover, it's like, cool, whatever. No, I've been there. So you're enlightened. <laughs> now what? You infinity still. Well, there's so a, there's a now you have 20 there, strands of DNA. There's a, there's a cool. Great, now what? There's a great story. Infinity. About, a great story about an American businessman who's been a fondness for, has a fondness for Buddhism, and he goes to, goes to, to uh, Taiwan in search of this noted tea master who's also supposed to be completely enlightened. And you know he goes from tea stall to tea stall all over Taiwan looking for this guy, all over Taipei, and he finally finds this. Uh, this little girl is like, uh, oh, yeah, that's my grandfather. He's, he stands right down the road. So he goes down the road, and he finds him, and he sits with him, and he makes some tea, and he drinks his tea. And the old uh, Chinese man says, I guess you came all this way to ask me a question, so you know, just ask it. You know, don't be shy. And the American businessman says, so what is it like to have transcended the phenomenal world? What is it like to be enlightened? What is it, what is it like to have touched infinity? And the old man says, I still go to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I've, uh, you know, I hope that, and, and I'll be, you know, I'm being really frank. I hope I have the success in this life for people to hear the one singular message. I think that's most important to my writing, which is that enlightenment is a, is a brilliant hoax. Yeah. Yes. It's just as, it's just as much of a, of a parody as religion. Totally. Totally. These are excuses or buffers that put you in between you and supreme knowledge. Yeah, and direct experience. Right, and direct right experience, yeah, yeah. even if it's altered on a psychedelic, I think is preferable to a a um, uniform mandated experience in totally. a church. Yeah, like I don't think ever. Well, an immediate experience of the divine of yeah. like, hey, come sit down, cool right. here, give me some money. I don't think here's what God said for I you. I don't think ever I understood as a Catholic, and I went to school. I went to Catholic schools from the age of five. Wow. To four to twelve. Crazy. And I went to church every first Friday, and every Saturday, once a week, 
And during the week, we had religious studies wow. three times a week. So I was raised as a devout Catholic. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I don't think in the course of those years during which I'm formatively cognitive, you know, after six, you start remembering yeah. stuff. Uh-huh. I don't remember ever feeling, oh, this is a spiritual experience in this church. The Roman Catholic Church is a social engineering program for the continuance of the Roman Empire on the planet Earth. Right. It's not a spiritual experience. Right. Yeah. I don't remember everything. In fact, I remember. If you have one, it's I just like, I think, uh, who's the Saint uh, Fra- Francis, right? The one that was good with the uh, animals? That's Saint Francis. Right. I think Saint Francis and these other mystics. I think don't know what a saint does. Ask a Catholic. There you go. Well, I th- I <laughs> Who's the one that's good with yeah, the animals? Francis. Oh, that's and cars dumb. and teamsters. Is, uh, <laughs> oh, that's St. Hoffa. I thought that was. <laughs> 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 um, but I think you know, so. I you think can the mystical your questions to one eight hundred. I think the mystical experiences the that took place in the Catholic Church were <laughs> due to those individuals and their own practice and would have happened regardless of the, uh, the, the, the media or the mode that they were interfacing with the divine. Well, the, church, the church is ruined from, from Arrhenius forward. Yeah. You have early Christian sects. We know mm-hmm. sects. Sects. S-E-C-T-S. Yep, yep. It's hard to say that one properly. Right. Early Christian sects. Early Christian sects. <laughs> On the next episode. <laughs> On the next episode of Ultimate Freedom, it's early Christian sects. That's right. Jesus and all 12 apostles Bukaki party, baby. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. Ultimate freedom. I will uh, disavow having been here. Yeah, I'm sorry about I'm that. I'm actually duct taped to this chair right now. And this is my friend uh, Frank DiCarlo. Frank? Frank DiCarlo from Connecticut. <laughs> That's your pseudonym on the uh, <laughs> podcast. Fine. Frank DiCarlo from Connecticut. Yeah, this is Frank. Frank DiCarlo from Connecticut. I grew up in, from, from uh, the, uh, now I'm going to do him as a character. <laughs> <laughs> this is Frank DiCarlo. We this were talking Frank. about Burning Man and all these freaks. <laughs> you know, when I was 12. You actually got a good Frank DiCarlo. <laughs> I got Shit. a great Frank DiCarlo. When I was 12, I smoked a pot, some pot, the, the pot <laughs> with my with my oldest sister at a town petty concert. Oh, my God. And I got so fucking stoned. That I thought that my I thought that Tom Petty was Jesus, and I'm off, I'm watching him. <laughs> I'm watching him, and was I'm this thinking, pre-comeback Petty? No, this was the one with Alice, the song yeah. with Alice. Yeah, once, yeah, yeah, uh huh. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that tour. I'm looking. I'm thinking Tom Petty looks a little bit like Christ, and my sister's like Tom Petty's not Christ. Well, right? if Jesus was a white guy, which he wasn't. What Jesus was? Uh, There's a lot of theories, but he definitely wasn't a white dude. Well, we talked today about him. Him. About Jesus having not existed, but having been the proxy for what John Lash calls the mestote. Yes. I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited now to read that book. We were discussing a book, not in his image, by John Lash Lamb. And <laughs> Luigi was giving me a synopsis, and it, it was totally analogous That's to it. the experience that really... It's Frank. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Frank, uh, in between change of the training out of his uh, 78 Dodge van over there, over there, he was telling me... About this experience, it was quite like my formative psychedelic experience. It really spoke to me, you know, like in my balls. I felt like it in my groinal. In my testicular chakras, right? There's, there's two down there. There's two of them. <laughs> hey, we're just... We're, <laughs> we're, here we no, go. It's, it's all good. It's going down. Here we go. It's good. And thus sank the Titanic. But uh, <laughs> so, so this book really was analogous. I'd like you to just speak on it a little because it just... You can edit this, right? It speaks directly to my... I can, but why? Yeah, fuck yeah. it. Leave it in. Totally. So, John Lash Lamb. Uh, I was given the book by uh, somebody back down in L.A. Um, I'd read Paul Federici's um, Brother Jesus books, which, which, which basically posits the notion that Jesus is a brother to humanity. Yeah. He's the guide. Yeah. So everybody prays to Jesus, yeah. which is interesting because, with the exception of Orthodox Jews, that seems to be the case. Islam <laughs> yeah. respects Jesus. Uh-huh. Obviously, Jesus is at the center of Christianity. The hippies love Jesus. And the hippies love Jesus. Jesus is all is all right with me. The Doobie Brothers like Jesus. Yeah, they did. Um, basically, the Jesus that is even depicted in the Old Testament. It's funny how Christians just conveniently ignore that he was 
probably a fucking hippie totally. revolutionary. Well, I'll, at least all the messages, like all the <laughs> messages that are being purported to be from him, yeah, contradict their message and way of life completely. Right. That's why I love sharing I the Republican Jesus memes on I Facebook. Just, I just don't get that. I just don't. That shows well, I, you. I think true when, you're, when you're taught from a young age, and we have we have millennia of these family lines that have been taught from a young age how to pr- how to be able to somehow have a facsimile of a healthy psychology while sitting with such a huge cognitive dissonance as the religion of Christianity overlaid upon present experience with scientific experience, easy to see scientific gain, et cetera. When you train somebody how to think incorrectly and ignore reasoning and to put belief in front of facts, then it's easy to see how these cultures can come up with completely bullshit cultures that are totally off in every way because they've been practicing accepting lies and bullshit is truth. So early Christianity, which you probably know, uh-huh. was a collection of what they estimate now to have been even up to about 300 small groups yeah. that met in clandestine and met in, met in secret mm-hmm. and, r- and read the oral stories that were known to that group. Well, there's also a really good chance that and it's shown through a lot of hard uh a primary source documentation yeah uh both the dead sea scrolls the gnostic gospels but also a lot of early christian art yep there's coded alliteration as well as direct uh pictures and 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 uh phrases in those documents and in these are artworks mosaics and frescoes that attest to the mushroom being of central importance sure that too and that's that's john marco allegro's Uh, which makes sense to me because I contacted the Christ consciousness or was contacted by it or tuned into it or however you want to call that. It's also called the Logos. There's these other names. Uh, the mistotes. It's, it's the Melectaus of the Yazidis. It's, yeah. this, it's this frequency. Lash calls it the and, Mistotes. And, and so I contacted that um, through psychedelics. And that's Marco Allegro, who's totally a square and never done psychedelics. That was his. So he was the only non-catholic on the dead sea scrolls translation team when they found the scrolls in 47 and they needed him because of his knowledge of aramaic and how it tied into sumerian and babylonian Uh and these other languages that these things were in fragments of he was given access to the vatican library now of all of the 19 translation teams his team that he headed is the only one that translated everything they were given and released it all to the public to this day 60 70 years later the majority of that has not been released by the catholic translation teams nope Shortly after releasing all of his translations, he came out with a couple books. Uh, Jesus and the Dead Sea Scrolls is one, and The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross is another. Uh, Jesus and the Dead Sea Scrolls is just uh, a much drier. I mean, they're both pretty dry academic works, but Jesus and the Dead Sea Scrolls is just about how there was no historical Jesus. It's all these myths that were cobbled together by the Romans for uh, ulterior motives. But then he goes farther in The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross, where he says that Jesus is the code word for the mushroom, the body of the mushroom, Christos is the logos or the frequency of intelligent love that you can contact on the mushroom. Uh-huh. And that the reason for all these books and the oral readings and the clandestine meetings was that they were coded alliterations to the mushroom and the messages received from the galactic or cosmic consciousness, unitive consciousness, or God, whatever you call it. And the reason that they were coded was so that those who were in prey of their ego and would use these su- substances for bad, like, you know, say the Aztecs were kept away from them. Uh-huh. And, so I, I kind of interrupted you in that. But, no, you didn't. But, uh, I, 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 I just wanted to add that because I think it's such a little mentioned subject. And I have a book upstairs I, I would, I'll show you before you leave tomorrow whatever. It's got a DVD that comes with it. It has over 400 color images of early Christian art, which features Jesus as the mushroom, Jesus and the apostles as mushroom, Jesus surrounded Ooh. by mushrooms, a mushroom <laughs> surrounded by the apostles, like 400 works of art that show it with a book, you know, like yay thick with – it has a couple paragraphs on each piece of it's art really where it's from and right what's depicted. Not, not to make a cooking joke. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, please do. I can't think of one. I was busy. Oh. <laughs> You're like mushrooms with Jesus. Jesus oh. with <laughs> Jesus, mushrooms, Jesus and mushrooms and butter. So you go to <laughs> mushrooms, Jesus, so and mussels. So you go to a restaurant and they're like, so we have, <laughs> we have Jesus with mushroom. We have um, apostles with mushroom. <laughs> Let's, I'm going to check with the chef, but I think we had early Christian sex with mushrooms. <laughs> and then you my have personal a, favorite. And then you have a side order of um, uh, the uh, Spear of Destiny, or you have maybe the Ark of the Covenant. You can choose. 
<laughs> and how many how many uh, sips from the grail would you like? And and you get it all in Jesus's juice cup. <laughs> the Jesus juice cup. No, Jesus juice. La- Lash believes that Jesus historically didn't exist. I have been fascinated with this stuff since my 20s, since I studied philosophy and religion. Um, the first person I read was Dominic Crisson, who left the church and wrote the book, uh, The Sayings of Jesus, or What Jesus Said, and then wrote also the... the um, he started the Jesus Seminar, where they voted on what was said and not said and done and not done with beads. Oh, so awesome. Crisson starts the Jesus Seminar, and it took place for many years, and they uh-huh. voted effectively on And it boils it down to 13 things that they can verify that whoever th- this being was, pr- and, there are, and I'll talk about that a little bit, that this is probably what that being said. And then the latest research I've read, which was really interesting, posits that the zealots who wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls and lived by those rules, which were pretty strict, Very. orthodox, Very. warrior class yeah. laws, that there was the righteous teacher and the false teacher. Yeah. And that there's evidence that the righteous teacher could have been Jesus. Uh-huh. And the false teacher was either Judas or his brother James, which is interesting. So I think that that mythology, whatever that mythology was, births the personage of Jesus. Because then he only appears several times. He only appears under Philo mm-hmm. and Pliny the Elder and one other historian, Herodotus, I think. He's, in, he's, he's written about by Flavius. But Flavius, Flavius, not Herodotus. But the thing about Flavius is he was actually a Jewish slave of the Flavian Empire, right. of the Flavian emperors. And, and also the predecessor to all, all of the Flavian Flav. Flav. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where Flavor Flav got his name. If you know that Flavor Flav is actually fluent in ancient Aramaic and Babylonian, he was a master. He had a master's from Yale in, in anthropology and archaeology. Get the fuck out! Yeah, oh yeah, no, really. The clock threw people off, and the, that's on, that's an act. Get out of here! Yeah, no, totally. Are you making this up? Yeah, totally, hundred <laughs> percent. But because uh, jo- I I went for it. Yeah, nice. Well, Josephus <laughs> Flavius. The f- the Flavian all of the Flavian references to Christ have been shown to be frauds that were inserted by uh, later authors from the church, for real. <laughs> <laughs> there you are thinking, wow, Flavor Flav, uh, Flavor Flav, I could believe that. I mean, yeah. the brothers from New York. His he name is actually James Flavius. <laughs> he went to he went to Yale. This makes sense. Doctor James Flavius, he's brilliant, A.K.A. Flavor Flav. <laughs> oh my lord! Yeah, yeah. So. Where were we? So yeah, possibly. We've been kind of drifting, like yeah, a bit, yeah. A bit like mm-hmm. flotsam jetsam. How many hours are we running here? Six and a half? Maybe two hours? Maybe an hour? I'm not sure. It's ten o'clock. Dude, does it show how long we've been recording? Yeah, I'm not very good at that part, dude. Um, are you getting ready to wind it down? We can get close. Let's let's sum up a, a couple things real quick. A, a little bit more about the uh, John Lash Lamb book and and fleshing that out. We've been and then we can kind of wrap it all up. Lash is a is a is so you're saying there was a being the thirteen things he's a Gnostic historian he's somebody who's very interested in the Gnostics he believes that they don't exist well how about this the 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 really the ultimate important thing is let's put the 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 historicity of the human incarnation of this this intelligence aside Mm -hmm. and let's say if we agree that and maybe he seems to agree as well that there there seems to be almost like a radio station. Or a frequency That's his idea, yeah. that may be an archetype of being, or maybe is just actually that, just a frequency like a radiation. Well, the, no- the uh, Gnostic myth, radio station being broadcast. The Gnostic myth itself, the Gnostic myth, right, is that that the primordial reality, which isn't gendered, from it, Sophia descends. Yes. Right. Yeah. As wisdom. Yes. She effectively aborts. Well, she birthed a, a birthed a child of her own and created it apparently without you know seeking the proper uh, right. Going and the that's right Yaldabaoth, the false entity, also also known as Yahweh, okay. the the, right. the god of the right. Christians, exactly. Islam's and right. And it's funny, like if you this is Lash. If you recap, well, that's yeah, that's the Gnostics. Yeah. And if you if you look at that story where Yahweh is this, the reason he's jealous and angry is because he is imperfect and he's flawed, and he really is a demon. And if you look at him as a demon, and you look at his followers as demon worshippers. Then all of a sudden, all it of the war and the sense. torture makes sense. I, I think this has a higher chance of changing a lot of minds. Because if you're willing to accept the standard mythology and standard narratives of Judeo-Christianity, 
or the Abrahamic traditions in general, then are you willing to accept why that God in particular is so pissed off <laughs> and causes so much fucking war yeah. and, and represses women? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, it, that, it's, I'm it not, makes I'm, sense. Look, I, it grant, we can grant a lot of latitude in this podcast for us being goofballs. And totally. But let's come back to some serious and very simple yeah. questions. Yeah. Are you willing to grant the possibility that the mythology that you grew up with, the mythology that was forced down your throat, is in fact the mythology of a false god? Yeah. Now, for me, that was always mind-blowing. Yeah. I always thought, that makes sense to me. I came to this. Uh, my parents didn't raise me with any religion. They were my dad. Stepdad lucky. was Roman Catholic. My mom was Episcopalian. All they told me was, definitely not those two. Good luck. That was their. <laughs> that Don't was literally, literally what they told me was definitely not those two. Choose door three. Good luck. And uh, so I came, like I was saying before, I came, I came to the Jesus myth, and the wise of Christianity, and then to the Gnostics, through having the direct experience first. And then trying to figure out what the fuck was going on to me, why I was getting the download that I was Jesus and everybody was Jesus and that we had to get with this plan that was the Jesus plan, which is everybody get along already. That is the that. that so that's so that I came to it from that place. So that as the Christa, it the didn't blow my mind as much as look like the easily apparent truth when I found the Gnostic myth that lined up with the why fours of why the world is the way it is. It all made perfect sense. And then. When I found John Marco Allegro talking about that these guys were doing psychedelics too, that was the last part of the puzzle for me because it's like, dude, that's how I, without knowing any of this, this is how I came to all of this, was getting that, that frequency. And so I, I, I would say there is some sort of intelligent frequency that is broadcasting this message that we are all a human family. Beyond that, we're all a divine family, everything. And we need to get it together. We need to take care of our life systems on our planet. And I think we need to get back into the direct experience. I don't think it has to be psychedelics. I think that psychedelics are uh, an accelerated program, but there's also meditation, yoga, and dance ritual. And if enough people do psychedelics and we can recreate an extant workable culture, then we can begin through other rituals to transfer the proper information about who we are, that we are in the center of this connected web of life, and we can begin to reprogram the right information to people. And I think that's what the consciousness or frequency behind the Jesus myth, if it would want anything, would just want that apparent reality to dawn because it really is the way it is. And it doesn't matter if there was ever a Jesus or not because we have to get along. And it doesn't matter if there was ever a Jesus or not because we have to keep the trees or we won't have oxygen. And it doesn't matter if there was a Jesus or not because we have to respect women like it's just totally extraneous to the point at this at, at this juncture, is how I feel. I I I, 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 th I agree I agree with you. I haven't changed my position that. I don't know if it will be a cataclysmic end, but I will go on the record as saying I do not think we'll make it as a species. Well, I d I don't. I just don't. Yeah, I yeah, don't. Yeah. And I and I tell you that's been liberating in a sense. I think we will, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Like I, that's how I like to hedge my bets. I, I mean, I like the notion that, that there are different aspects beyond this reality and that we may or may not yeah. engage in some sort of infinite complexity. And I think that's probably likely. I think so, too. I think Humans, so too. And I think I that's reassuring. I'm not afraid. I'm personally not afraid of death. And, yeah. I, I, and I believe that. However, I do wonder, and this is why I wonder, that in the interim, you know, I think that there's abject, unnecessary cruelty that yeah. that is just morally wrong, yeah. right? The subjugation of children, in particular, totally. uh, in particular children and women, totally. particularly in Islam, yeah. to rape and to torture and to yeah. slavery is wrong. Totally, right? Agreed. The uh, the tendencies of the Catholic Church itself to have covered up decades of pedophilia. Probably millennia. Right? Millennia is probably Most much likely. more accurate. Is wrong. Correct. And I don't think you can pass by, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to throw the Jewish religion in there for the hell of it, but, you know, the f centuries of, of problems between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Yeah. Like, I don't think you can look at the world and say, oh, well, there's a perfect God up on a fucking hammock <laughs> sipping a nice tea. No, he's fucking blowing out. it really You're bad right, right now. He's not doing that. 
No. You know, it's no. there's a joke about that. I forget what tradition, but you know, um, you know, the, this guy goes to heaven and knocks on the door, and nobody comes to the door. He goes around the back of the house, knocks at the back of the house, goes right into the back, and there's God, you know, hanging out in a hammock. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I've been looking all over for you. He's like, I've, I've, I'm napping. <laughs> and this is like for centuries, you know. Yeah. And the guys, and you know, it's supposed to be allegorical, of course. But the fact is, is like, I don't believe in that patriarchal monolithic archetype. The, no. the 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 patriarch. No. You know, God's not going to meet me at the pearly gates with a big white beard. And now that I'm of the age of having a big white beard, I now know for sure that it's not going <laughs> to. I'm going to meet me. Yeah. You're like ah. Oh shit. Luigi, it's you. Hey, it's me. It's me, Frank. It's me, Frank De Carlo. Frank De Carlo, what are you doing? Are you, how long you been here? I've been here a while. I'm waiting. Come on in. We just made manicotti. Get over here. You want something? So heaven is like the Italian ghetto. That's not so bad, actually. I no. love Italian food. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little more football than I'm into, but other than that, it's good times. <laughs> we got a little manicotti on. We're in the back. I have a glass of wine. How you been? Sit down. <laughs> Uncle Joe's going to play the accordion. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. That's not so bad. Uh, no, it's like... Uh, it's better than Oral Roberts heaven. Well, I don't even want to talk about that. The, yeah. the, w the words Oral Roberts heaven makes me cr cringe. Right. It creeps me the fuck out. Yeah. So, I mean, funny people with funny ideas about serious things. Yeah. You know, I, I think we all need to get along. I think, uh, I really think I, I have think a lot of hope. I don't think we need to get along. I think we need I to respect one another. Yeah. True. I can go with that. If you look at your own life, the problems I've had as a business person are not about whether or not I liked the person. Normally, I don't because I'm <laughs> a bit of a misanthrope. Yeah. But my problems in business were because of a level of professional respect didn't exist. Yeah. Like there are things I would never say to a business client. There Understood. are things I would never do with a business client. Totally. Right. Yeah. But when people cross a line yeah. to me, my viewpoint is very much like the monolithic systems of violence we're talking about. <laughs> you know, at that point I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to like wear a Batman outfit, get a flamethrower, pour a <laughs> bottle, pour a bottle of vodka on my head, light myself on fire and like burn their office building down. I mean, that's where the head goes. I mean, it's a bit much. Yeah, you don't go. That doesn't happen for you. No, but I, I, <laughs> I do a lot of psychedelics and I think that kind of continues to does uh, it tamp does, does it tamp it down? Well, it fills my battery up. It really fills me up with joy and hope. So you want to go like that we can make it. But but here's you want to give is, everybody a baby unicorn. It, I never see a picture that the human race is going to be OK. But what I know when I do psychedelics of a, at a certain threshold level or above mm is that I'm given a glimpse of the true creative spirit of life itself. Mm -hmm. And we have infinity to be all light and all love forever. And so human or not, it doesn't matter. Like we're, un we're, un we're an unbeatable team. Whom? Life itself, all of us, all of the whole thing. So I think that's really where my positivity comes from is that I see the big picture that we have infinity together and, and the details are whatever the details are. And I'm going to try for my best, and I'm going to hope for the best. So I should or shouldn't play devil's advocate and say. Oh, definitely should. That's the only way we're going to flesh stuff out. Well, yeah. What's the opposite of infinity would be nothingness. I think it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Well, of course you do. I do a lot of drugs, though. So. No. <laughs> no, yes, I do. No, the Tibetans would agree with you. Oh, awesome. The Tibetans called it sunyata. I've had a lot of uh, Tibetan past life stuff, for sure. The Tibetans call it sunyata, the emptiness that, exen that extends. I got a question. For what does it mean when you see a solid gold Buddha who's alive and giving a Dharma transmission? In a dream? No, in a awake vision. On, on psychedelics? Bunch of mushrooms. Like a golden Buddha statue? Like a golden Buddha that's a living being that's about 20, 30 feet tall. And it's emanating rainbow. You know those rainbows they show behind it? The rainbow stripes curling around to make a chamber that you're in as it's like beaming Whoa. love into you. You got to talk to one of my Tibetan buddies that's out of my pay, pay grade. Oh, okay. I just think it means <laughs> be nice to people and you got some really good mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely go back to that dude. <laughs> you got any more of those golden Buddha shrooms, bro? That shit was awesome. <laughs> oh, I love this. So I went from that. This is a funny aside, but uh, I went from that. And then uh, why don't they just dope everybody up at Guantanamo? 
Since we've got them there. Well, because those guys, the guys that are doing the doping there are the repressed, and they don't want to do it. They don't want to get high. Those are the ones that have to. The guys in the cage need to get high, but the guys outside of the cage need to get high at least as bad. Usually. Yeah. <coughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I was. Whoops. He is risen. He's here with us, folks. Please welcome uh, Jesus H. Christ. Hey, Jesus, how you doing today? Hello. Uh, we were wondering, uh, Luigi and I were talking about this earlier today. What exactly does the H stand for? Ham. <laughs> ham? Yes, ham. Like the sandwich? No, like the people of ham. Oh. <laughs> That's right. And who are the people of ham, Jesus? You don't know who the people of ham are? Deli owners? Matthew. <laughs> the delicatessen the owners? The children of ham. No, I don't. You should look it up. Oh, wait, aren't those? Th those are the black folks, right? Yes. Aren't they? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, you yourself, I can see, are quite dark complected, Jesus. I am a brother, as they say. Ah, uh, that's so nice to see you. I, I, I finally have to get back to a couple people who thought you were uh, of European descent. No, that's more propaganda. Huh. Do you have any messages for uh, the people out there for their coming week? Yes. Uh, Tuesday night, there's bingo at the Episcopalian, St. Joseph's Episcopalian in downtown Santa Rosa. Also, on Wednesday, we're having a pizza party at the Catholic Church in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I'll also be appearing on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon on Thursday. And then I heard <laughs> next week you were going to be appearing on a piece of toast in Guadalajara, Mexico. For no, I just want to make sure that people know that the toast was a hoax. <laughs> oh, oh, that wasn't you. No. What about that window? The window? This, the, the window was me. Oh, the window. Okay, good. I, yeah. I thought so. I, you have to be choosy how. What about the internet meme with the dog butthole? Have you seen that one in the hair? Was that you? The uh, dog butthole for your face? I do appear in the anus of several chosen dogs. That's beautiful, Jesus. Thank you. It's beautiful. It's beautiful yeah. to be Jesus. Uh, if anybody has questions, you can go ahead and email him, and we'll try to get Jesus back to you uh, right. next show. He'll, he's going to have to write you back. There. Do you have an email address, Jesus? Yes, it's Jesus at God.com. <laughs> Perfect. So that's Jesus at God.com with your questions or suggestions. Uh, are you taking any prayer requests or just thankfulness right now? Oh, that's all bullshit. Okay, good, good. Right. So it's just thankfulness then? Uh, we, well, my staff is inundated mostly these days with a geopolitical crisis. Um, oh, good. You're, it's good you're putting some attention to we that. We are. Most of, most of the American requests we get are trivial, so, <laughs> we, so we ignore them. Um, Makes sense. Uh, we're paying a lot of attention right now to um, finding ways to create better dishwashing liquid. Seems like a major priority for the species is to have cleaner dishes. Well, it's something that's biodegradable, too. Right. Because it's getting everywhere. Yeah. Um, also, uh, um, we're making an appearance, uh, we meaning the Trinity. Okay. Mom, Dad, and I. We're going to be appearing in Rome, actually. Really? Yes. Well, and what are you going to be doing there? We're going to unveil a uh, lovely chapel. Oh. Yes. thought maybe you were going to strike fear in the heart of the Pope. No. Oh. No. We believe this Pope is uh, a good Pope. You don't think it's just Ratzinger with a latex max mask on? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I see every night, you know, it's like he goes home, he goes up into the papal apartment, he like peels that fucking mask off and it's just the evil emperor of Star Wars. <laughs> and then he's pulling boy after boy and he just starts reaming them out. I know it's horrible. I'm just saying that's what I see. Should I stay every in, time? I, so Jesus left. Oh, hey, he got, hey, Luigi, he got, you're back. He got offended. Oh, fuck. Jesus, Sorry, Jesus. Jesus left. That happens every time Jesus comes over. He's sensitive. He's he's a little flower. He's, I still love him he's though. He's a nice guy. Very sensitive. Yeah, yeah. Very nice person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> well, I think we might have gotten everywhere we're gonna get on this one. What do you think? <laughs> Looks like Luigi's fallen over, <laughs> risking his personal and professional life being on the show. Thankfully, it's only my three friends who listen. So, Craig, uh, Kenny, Anthony, anybody else? <laughs> Thanks, you guys. This will not be appearing on the World Wide Web. No. Uh, well, it is. UltimateFreedom.org. God damn yeah. it. UltimateFreedom.org. 
But yeah. we can spell your name wrong or give you a pseudonym, Frank DiCarlo. Just go with Frank. Don't go with Frank DiCarlo. I think I know a Frank DiCarlo who's a kind of a <laughs> disreputable guy. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, we might get, even get it on iTunes, but uh, I can barely figure out the website. I got a couple of these I still got to get up. So <laughs> thank you for talking with me. I think we had a good time, and I think we did good work. I think we covered a lot of territory. We broke the ice. I think this is going to be good, too, because we're going to be able to listen and then Next time you do make it up or I can make it down with the mobile rig, we can either go something completely different or we can get even further into one of these subjects that uh, we're getting into. I'm a big yes to it. I enjoyed this. I also enjoyed this. So let's uh, close it out with our public radio voices. Luigi. Thanks for coming in to W. It was really nice having you here tonight. Thank you so much. Join us next week when we oh discover the ancient ritual. <laughs> ancient ritual. Ancient, ancient Chinese ritual. I hope that uh, the child trafficking thing in Africa you're doing works out for you. That's going to be really good. Try oh, we're not supposed to talk about it. Try out next week. Listen for ancient Christian early sex rituals. Ancient Christian sex rituals. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I think the basic message is uh, the way to get over the violence is drugs and sex. But only the right drugs. And only the right sex. And only the right sex. Which is whatever's right for you. So that's going to be all for this episode of Ultimate Freedom. For me and for Frank DiCarlo, for Jesus, Ham Christ. See you later. Love you very much. Ultimate Freedom.